0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to Speaking to Impact with your host, OJM International. The Speaking to Impact podcast shares proven tools and strategies to help listeners communicate with clarity and confidence. Well, I'm extremely excited about this episode. I have with me a dear friend, and one thing that I enjoy about conversation is talking to people who have set aside time to mature scholastically and to accumulate experiential knowledge whereby they can now allow people to pick from their branches and to be empowered by what they know. And I have one such individual with me today, and I'm telling you, after listening to this conversation, you will be enlightened and empowered. I'm welcoming to the Speaking to Impact table my good friend, Jim Hart, he's a pastor as well as a professor at Rutgers University and a counselor. And so, as I've said, you're in for a time of enlightenment. Well, this is the month of February. And so I typically speak a lot about communication uh, for the marketplace, but I want to center in on having effective communication in relationships, in particular, romantic relationships, because our relationships affect how we navigate in the marketplace and so Jim is here to help us today and we could all of course use this assistance. So Jim I want to start out by asking how important is one's ability to express one's thoughts and feelings to the success of one's romantic relationships?
1: Well with all this certainly let me thank you for the opportunity to be on your podcasts. Um, it is wonderful to be with you and I certainly appreciate the opportunity Uh, Your question of how important it is to express your thoughts and feelings in your romantic relationships. You know, I heard a quote a really long time ago Mm -hmm. that said, the death of communication is the birthplace of resentment. And I think that pretty much sums up how important it is to have successful communication with your romantic relationships. Because the moment couples stop communicating, Mm -hmm. it's the moment that resentment is birthed into their relationship. And couples don't start off like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. when they first start dating and connecting, they are constantly communicating. Um, But over the course of time, if you move into a marital relationship, um, your priorities change, your roles and responsibilities change, uh, maybe career changes. And um, there's a lot of other pressure that's on couples Mm -hmm. to communicate effectively. But the moment they stop communicating is really the moment they're going to have resentment that's going to be birthed into the relationship. And then certainly from a biblical perspective, the Bible tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Mm. Our ability to communicate, our words are like nitro, nitroglycerin. Mm-hmm. They use that to make bombs and they use that to do surgery. So your words can literally blow up your life mm. or your words can heal your life. Um, they can tear down your spouse or they can build up your spouse. And we very much we very much create our world by the words that we use. And the Bible's been talking about that for centuries. Psychology mm. and social work, you know, they've caught <laughs> up the last hundred years. But the Bible's been talking about that forever.
0: Wow. You know, I heard something when you said that proverb that I don't think I've heard previously. With death and life is in the power of the tongue. The life of a relationship is in the power of one's tongue. Mm-hmm. Like your relationship can either prosper or your, work, your relationship can decline. By the use of your tongue.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And there's different ways in which the words are going to impact a male as Mm -hmm. opposed to a female. But I'm sure we'll get into that in just a moment.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, I want to hear more about that (laughs) even now. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Speak a little bit more about that in terms of how words can affect us differently based upon gender.
1: Sure. Well, from a uh, a biblical perspective... Mm -hmm. Uh, the Bible would say that a man's greatest need mm-hmm. is respect. Mm-hmm. And a woman's greatest need is love. Um, if you translate that over into our contemporary culture, they would say a man's greatest need is to be honored. Mm-hmm. And a woman's greatest need is to have a sense of security. So when a husband um, is talking to his wife or mm-hmm. a a guy is talking to his female Um, partner or girlfriend or whatever term you want to use, Mm -hmm. he has to communicate to her through the language of security. Mm -hmm. So if he talks to her in a way that conveys, I'm here for you, I'm going to protect you, I'm listening to you, I am all in, I will do whatever it takes to make this work, you will always be a priority. You're speaking through the language of security. Mm -hmm. She will hear what you have to say. Her heart will open up. And you'll be able to have an effective communication. But if you don't speak through the language of security, her defenses go up. Her Mm. anxiety rises. Her irritation rises. And then you're not going to get the response that you need. Mm. Men, though, men, you need to talk to men through the language of honor, through the language of respect. So if you're conveying that you disrespect them, that you don't trust him, that Mm -hmm. you don't like him, that you don't trust his judgments, that you're not in support of him. You know, men are far more in tune with the way you say it, not necessarily the words you say, but how you say it. And if you are conveying disrespect or dishonor or that you don't trust me, that's going to raise up their defenses. And then men will either fight back or they just shut down and go into the living room and watch football and know that you can't talk forever. So I think in communicating through the person's deepest need. If your deepest need is honor, then I need to communicate through the language of honor to get the best result from you. And if your deepest need is security, then I need to communicate through the language of security so that I can open your heart, right? I mean, think about this Mm -hmm. one, No, Nobody is gonna be receptive to negativity. Absolutely right not even god like if you try to <laughs> right. come to god with negativity you mm-hmm. don't get a chance to enter into the holiest of holies you don't get a chance to get to his inner court right. if you start off with negativity mm-hmm. he, he's just not going to welcome that right. what's he want he wants praise praise mm-hmm. opens the holiest of holies opens up god's heart mm-hmm. well we're made in the image of god so we're the same way if you come at with with if you come at me with negativity mm-hmm. you come at me and communicate with me through insecurity terms or dishonoring terms, or disrespectful terms, what do I do with my holiest of holies? My heart, I mm-hmm. shut it down. I close it off. Exactly. And, and then once my heart gets closed off, my ears get turned off. And now mm. we are not communicating and conflicting and all that. So wow. that's a very long-winded answer, but hopefully... No, no, that
0: that's very, very powerful. I could have continued listening to that because that was fuel. And I'm sure that will be fuel for the listeners as well. And I think you have already started in the direction of my next question in terms of the common pitfalls, communication pitfalls that we enter into in the way in which we address one another in relationships. And you've had a number of years now of observing people in communication conflict. So what are some of the common pitfalls? What are some of the common mistakes that we make in the way that we communicate? If there's any elaboration other than what you just said. Yeah, there is. Mm -hmm. There's a
1: gentleman, and I can't take credit for this, Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a gentleman. His name is Dr. John Gottman. Mm -hmm. He's a professor, researcher, marriage researcher out, I believe, at the University of Seattle. He's out in Washington. Okay. Uh, He's been doing the work for like 30 to 40 years. Um, He is the preeminent researcher when it comes to marriage and relationships. He's written all kinds of books. Um, anybody who does any type of marital or premarital therapy mm-hmm. knows who John Gottman is. He's mm-hmm. just, you know, world-renowned. And his lab has been real instructive to us as counselors because his lab has found out that they can determine if someone's going to get a divorce with only listening to them communicate for the first five minutes.
0: Wow. That
1: Within a short, a brief exchange of communication, they'll know and they can predict your level of divorce or your um, probability of divorce at like a ninety seven percent percentile. It's like some crazy number. And so they've learned that over you know three plus decades mm-hmm. that there's a certain pattern that is formed or created. And he says the very first thing that happens is that we have what we what they call a harsh startup. Mm. And so their their premise is the way you begin a conversation is how it's going to end. That it's only going to okay. escalate from there. So if you start harshly, mm-hmm. what happens is you trigger in us the fight, flight, or freeze um, uh, system within our body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you harshly start up a conversation, for instance, the the one spouse walks into the kitchen. Probably the wife would say this. She walks into the kitchen. She says, "Don't you smell the trash?" Can't right. you smell it stinks? How many times do I got to take you to take out the trash? Do right. I have to remind you all the time? Is this what I got to do? That's a harsh startup. Right. Right? She walks in and says, Babe, Mm-hmm. Would you mind if you, can you please take out the trash? It really does stink and I don't want the house smelling like trash. Could mm-hmm. you please take it out? Mm-hmm. The request is the same. Take the trash out. Right. One was a harsh startup. Mm-hmm. The other one was a legitimate complaint mm-hmm. and, a, and a, a legitimate request. Mm. The harsh startup, the guy says, I'm going to take it out. All right. I was doing the dishes because you always complain. I don't do the dishes. So when I got done the dishes, I'm going to do the trash. Oh, right. oh, so now you're doing the <laughs> dishes and now you started harshly right. and it elevates and escalates mm-hmm. and... What they've done is they have uh, tied people, not tied people, but um, strapped people. I'm not using the right word. Tied or strapped is not what they would <laughs> do. They connect wires to people's bodies to right. monitor their physiology. Oh. And what they found is okay. the heart start up raises people's blood pressure, mm-hmm. raises their heart rate. And as their heart rate goes up, your mm-hmm. ability to rationalize and think clearly mm-hmm. and make sound decisions goes down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we so are, good. We are activating the flight, I disengage, don't talk to you, don't even respond to you when you Mm -hmm. start harsh with me, or I fight back. So the harsh startup is really one thing that couples, I think, do. But couples don't start off the relationship with harsh startups. The reason harsh startups show up, Mm -hmm. and this is not Gottman, this is now my experience, Mm -hmm. is that people have continuously ask for something to be done and it's not being done or they're Mm. continuously asking for something They're continuously asking to be heard or validated or respected or appreciated or loved and over the course of time when that request or those requests have not been met Mm. the harsh startups come Mm. because you would have never gotten with me and I would have never gotten with you if our relationship was filled with and started with harsh startups right they don't start off like that right. but when I've com- repeatedly asked you for something mm-hmm. we've had the same conversation I told you please don't you can't go to Modell's and buy new sports sports equipment <laughs> I know that I know that there's a football season coming I know Bar- March Madness is coming up and we got basketball you can't go buy the latest jersey because that's going to screw up the account how many times I got to tell you right. well the first time he screws up the account mm-hmm. because he buys something she's not supposed to she has a rational conversation with him right. The 20th
0: time, it's a hard start it's a hard start so there's
1: been experience <laughs> has been built up but after the harsh startup you have criticism that sets in mm. and where i begin to attack your character mm. i begin to devalue as an individual mm-hmm. i will always have complaints that that's part of being an inter uh in um an intimate relationships complaints are always going to be there right. The criticism i attack your character and your personality your mm-hmm. dignity as an individual And once that happens, our communication then moves to contempt. I don't like you anymore. Mm. That's where couples, you'll hear them say, I love them, but I don't like them anymore. Mm. And then once contempt sets in, now I have a level of defensiveness. Mm -hmm. So now every time a conversation is started, I'm immediately on the defensive and I'm attacking you Mm -hmm. or trying to protect myself. And if you do that long enough, Gottman says you get to stonewalling, where one person is talking and the other person is just has Just literally tuned them out as if they're a stone wall, they give them nothing. The person mm-hmm. bah, 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 and the other sure. person just says, completely shut out, disengaged emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. They've stonewalled altogether. Mm. Gottman says, If you go through harsh startups, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling, mm-hmm. the next step is divorce. Mm-hmm. The next step is your relationship is over. Mm. And the mistake couples make to go back to your original question is that they don't see this pattern evolving and growing. Mm-hmm. And they don't come to you for help until they're at stonewalling. Oh, wow, wow. Right? The, the smart ones say, you know what, there's too mm-hmm. much criticism, we gotta go get help. Right. The ones that wait get to you, by the time they get to you, they're stonewalling, mm-hmm. and there's so much damage that's been done to unpack it, it takes a really, really long time. So those are some some mistakes that couples make.
0: No, that's great, That that's very, very helpful. And you, again, started in a direction of a question that I was gonna pose in regards to what your thought would be about receiving counseling when everything is good in terms of there being maybe quarterly counseling or what, whatever distance of time the couple decides would be ideal for them, but they're going and they're receiving counseling, they're talking through concerns while things are actually good, because most people connect counseling to things that have gone awry.
1: Yeah, I would say the first, if we're going to talk about married couples, for instance, Mm -hmm. the first year after, once you get married, probably six months into the relationship, you should probably go back to whoever did your premarital counseling Mm -hmm. for a nice little tune-up and Mm check-up, and then maybe check in six months after that, because, the first month is you know glorious and mm-hmm. wonderful but mm-hmm. then reality starts to set in <laughs> and the blending of two lives gets going and you realize how difficult it can be so coming in after that 6 month mark really helps to See where the good is and Mm -hmm. see where some negative patterns are beginning to be formed and how Mm -hmm. we can cut them off at the past. Two Sundays ago, I spent time with a couple that I had married. I did their premarital work. I married them in July, and they came back for their six-month checkup. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, they did because had they not, Mm -hmm. if they would have waited another six months, Mm -hmm. there would have been so much more damage that was done, Mm -hmm. so much more misunderstanding that would have been created that their first year would have been horrible. But by coming in for that six-month checkup, they now can make some adjustments, some slight course corrections, not major overhauls yet, Mm -hmm. slight course corrections in their relationship, and they can get better. They'll probably come back within the year. After that, then it's pretty much when you can't resolve an issue between the two of you, it's time to go get help. Got it. All right. Uh, and usually the women are more likely to come in for help. Guys, if they call for counseling, it's because the wife said, if you don't call Pastor Jim, I'm going to leave you. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like kind of those kind of deals. Um, guys rarely call if they're, unless they're under the gun. Um, because we like to be able to fix it ourselves. We want to fix the problems ourselves. We want to do it our, our own way. We don't want pe- people to be involved in our life But I can tell you that uh, my wife, Yatande and I, we've gone to counseling three different times over the course of our 15-year marriage Mm -hmm. for three different distinct things. Mm -hmm. So as something came up that we couldn't resolve, went to counseling. Something else came up, had to resolve, went to counseling. Something Mm -hmm. else came up, had to resolve, went to counseling. And we didn't go for, you know eight, nine, ten sessions. The first time was maybe four or five. Second Mm -hmm. time was maybe three. Mm -hmm. Third time was maybe four. Mm -hmm. You know, but when we realized that we had reached an impasse, Mm -hmm. it's time to go get help.
0: Absolutely. Which is
1: hard for the marriage counselor to go get help. (laughs) But you know, that's what you need to do. Um address it when you no longer can solve it. If you wait and delay, things just get worse. They never get better.
0: Mm. So I've heard so many different things in this uh, conversation. One of the proverbs that was just jumping in my head was a soft answer turns away wrath Mm -hmm. uh, when you were talking before and not being easily offended. So many things jumping off. But one thing I want to center in on and I think is an an important skill for us to learn is how to listen and not necessarily enter into a conversation to make a point but to also hear the other person's point. How can we develop that skill? It's such a difficult skill, it seems, for people to learn.
1: It is. It is. It's a very difficult skill. The, um, the marriage research can be instructive to us on this question. Mm-hmm. They've done research on married couples to look at what are the reasons they have conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, And usually if I'm not listening to you, it's probably because, you know, we're in some type of conflict and there's two things that are happening. um, And those two things are what they call perceived threat and perceived neglect. Hmm. So as we're communicating, as we're talking, if I perceive threat, I'm not going to be able to listen and hear what you were trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. And, or if I have perceived neglect, I'm not going to be able to listen and hear what you have to say. So what is that? Well, the, the marriage research says perceived threat arises if I feel as if when you're talking to me, I feel as though you're threatening my autonomy, mm-hmm. my levels of responsibility, my independence, mm-hmm. um, where I can go, what I can do. If you're threatening my level of independence or autonomy, there's a level of threat that rises up in us. Mm-hmm. And once that threat rises up, I no longer am hearing your legitimate concerns. All I am perceiving is threat. Mm. And when I have that, I either will fight you Mm -hmm. or I will walk away and just ask you to stop talking. The person who has perceived neglect, they have perceived neglect is because when we're, when, as I'm listening to you talk to me, I am feeling neglected. I feel as though you don't love me anymore, mm. or you don't care about me, mm-hmm. you don't want to support me, you don't support this relationship. I'm no longer first in your life. And so everything you're saying that I'm trying to hear is being filtered through. My ears are just hearing all of the neglect. Mm-hmm. And what I, that person who has neglect, they then try to pursue that person spend more time with me, hug me more, talk to me, hold my hand. And usually the neglect and the threat are happening at the same time. Mm. So, for instance, the husband feels a sense of threat by the wife's demands for more attention. The reason she wants that is because she feels neglected. So she pursues him more, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't listen because he feels threatened. So he backs away more. So she pursues him more. Then he fights back Mm -hmm. and she feels even more neglected. So she walks away. Mm -hmm. Then when he comes over to talk to her Mm -hmm. to try to reconcile and apologize, (laughs) she can't listen because she still feels neglected. She's Mm -hmm. still perceiving that. So a classic example was after I got done reading that research, and this is usually how God does me, mm-hmm. after I get done reading the research, <laughs> he then puts me in the fire where I have to actually right. live it out. <laughs> so you ten days talking to me one day, mm-hmm. and she is just on me mm-hmm. about a variety of things. And as she is on me, I can feel the perceived threat rising up in me. And everything in me wanted to fight back, Mm -hmm. wanted to uh, justify or rationalize or point the finger back. And because I had just read the research, I said, (laughs) calm down. Mm -hmm. Just calm down. You know she's not trying to take away your autonomy or independence. Just calm down and just listen to what she has to say. Mm -hmm. And when I did that, every point she made Mm -hmm. was correct. Every single point was legit Mm -hmm. and correct when she got done, I said, babe, listen, everything you just said was correct. Mm-hmm. And like her jaw dropped, like, like really, you were listening to me, you agree with me? I was like, yes, everything you just said was correct. Mm-hmm. But the way you said it mm-hmm. is really hard for me to receive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I had to go and explain to her, I just read this research and I right. was feeling threatened, but mm-hmm. I calmed myself down to listen to you. But when you communicate like that, mm-hmm. in that type of way, you can't say it like that. You're going to rise up my level of threat. And so, you know, I can listen to you, but i it's harder for me to listen to you when you're like that. Mm-hmm. It's easier if I can hear you in another way. So those perceived threat and no, that perceived neglect is mm-hmm. much more of an internal introspective experience or practice. Mm. So as you're talking to your loved one or your loved one is saying something to you, Mm -hmm. you have to be very mindful. Do I feel threatened right now? Mm -hmm. Am I feeling neglected right now? Because if I am, that's gonna impact how I am listening to you Mm. at this present moment. Because if I feel wonderful and I feel connected and I feel loved and I feel we're on the same page, we're moving in the same direction, Mm -hmm. it's it's easy to listen. What gets in the way is I either feel neglected or I feel threatened. Mm-hmm. And it could go, it, it's not like men are only going to be feeling threatened and women mm-hmm. are only going to feel neglected. It goes both ways. There are guys at times are going to feel neglected and mm-hmm. the, the, what, he just can't listen to the wife. And at times the wife's going to feel threatened and she can't
0: listen to the husband. Mm. It's not what you say always, but how you say it. For sure. That delivery can affect content. You could have great content, mm-hmm. but if you deliver it poorly, it's not going to be well received. And something else you said about perception, because perception can often color our reality. Mm-hmm. Even if something is not happening in actuality, if we perceive it to be occurring, we can still feel the emotions that we would if it were happening in reality. So that makes me ask a question in regards to our trauma. Can we sometimes hear the person that we're in relationship with through the lens of our own trauma?
1: For sure, for sure. When you and I do marriage conferences, we often talk about, um, we we make the analogy between building a house and building a marriage or building a life. Mm -hmm. And if you were to buy a piece of property to build a house, the very first thing you would do before you got an architect, before you got a contractor, before you did anything, you would hire somebody to do what they call a soil evaluation. Where they would dig into the soil to find out if there are any contaminants, any toxins, is there an oil tank in there? What is in this soil that if we don't address is going to compromise the foundation and Mm -hmm. therefore subsequent the, the, the structure of the entire home? Well, your soil and my soil are our families of origin, where (laughs) we've come from, Mm -hmm. right? So when I got married to Yatande, I brought a certain soil Mm -hmm. with me. That was all of my past, all Mm -hmm. of my pain, all of my difficulty, all of my success, all of my joys, all of my dreams. But my soil, Mm -hmm. I brought that soil to the relationship. She brought her soil to the relationship. And if there are things in our soil that are toxic or going to fundamentally compromise the structure of the foundation of the home, it doesn't matter how good we look on the outside. We can right. have great paying jobs. We can live in a beautiful house, drive nice cars, wear nice clothes. But that's all facade mm. on the outside. How many times have you gone to look for a house? You get to the house. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. You get the building inspector comes out. He goes, well, the foundation's compromised. Can't use it. Mm. It's beautiful on the outside, but the right. foundation's cracked. The reason often the foundation's mm-hmm. cracked is because there's something wrong in the soil. Mm. And so... I think communication and listening and talking, um, your trauma or your family of origin or the places you've been, or to use the analogy again, your soil that you have Mm -hmm. is going to directly impact your ability to communicate or not communicate. I mean, we Mm -hmm. all learned how to communicate and how to deal with problems Mm -hmm. through our families. Yeah. You either learn the right way or the wrong way. Most of us learn a lot of really bad ways of how to Mm -hmm. communicate and how to deal with people. Mm -hmm. I've talked to families and they said, you know, We knew that there was conflict or pain or problems because Mm -hmm. we just gave each other the silent treatment. Right. And we knew the problem had gone away when we started talking again. (laughs) Right? That's a highly dysfunctional way of living. It is. But that's how I learned how Mm -hmm. to deal with conflict. Right. Or I learned when we're in conflict or when we're having problems, I scream and yell. Mm -hmm. I bang my chest. I bang the table. I get everything out from my chest. Mm -hmm. And this is how we live. This is how we operate. Mm. It's a very bad way. Right. That's how I learned how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Or when when dad's upset, everybody has to be quiet and don't move, don't do anything until he's fine. And when he's fine, then everybody else can go back to normal. We learned how to deal with conflict.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We learned how to communicate. Um, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people have grown up in homes where they weren't allowed or they weren't taught. Um, there's a term we use in psychology and social work. It's called they weren't taught how to feel and deal with their emotions. mm mm-hmm. So when my, I have three boys, Samuel, Daniel, and Gabriel, they're 13, 10, and 8. When they come to me and they're in distress, mm-hmm. it's not my job to say, come on, man, toughen up. Right. You're crying again? Come on, you're a guy. <laughs> right. Come on, we don't cry. Let's go. Let's go. Right. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. My job is to say, okay, what's wrong? Mm-hmm what are you feeling do you feel right. happy do you feel sad mm-hmm. are you feeling neglected are you feeling abandoned are you feeling disrespected are you feeling dishonored because they don't have the vocabulary at right. 8 10 and 13 Absolutely. to articulate fully what's in their soul it's mm-hmm. my job as their parent mm-hmm. to help them learn these emotional psychological words so that once i give you language to connect with the emotion you have now you can express it so now i can feel my the emotion and Mm -hmm. then i can deal with it because then i can articulate no doubt i don't feel disappointed i feel disrespected or Mm -hmm. i don't feel i'm not irritated i'm more sad so so then what's the reason you're sad okay Mm -hmm. then where did that come from okay so how can we make that better If I don't teach them that skill, when they go to get married, Mm. they won't be able to communicate with their wife. Their wives are going to love me and love (laughs) my wife because we sit them down and say, in my house, silence and not talking is unacceptable. Mm. I asked you a question. So what's wrong? What's going on? And you give me the silent treatment? That's worse. I'd rather you tell me, Dad, shut the F up. I don't want to talk to you. Right. Because you you give me something to work with. Right. But silence? No, Mm -hmm. we don't deal with silence. Mm -hmm. But it's my job to help you feel and deal with emotion. If Mm -hmm. we don't have that, we're not taught that skill. Right. Let me say that. I didn't say it the right way. We have to be taught that skill. We don't have that skill at birth. Mm Mm-hmm. That skill comes with being taught how to feel and deal with emotions. And so your family of origin impacts that. Um, and then subsequent relationships and everything else that you've been through. I know it's a very long-winded answer. but No, but it's
0: all good. It's all good. And it definitely suggests that our trauma can affect the way in which we perceive things. And it goes back to self-awareness and making sure that we are aware of self as we attempt to bring someone into our world. And what you just said, I think is invaluable, that parents would help their kids to articulate and express what they're feeling. And because in the world of communication, articulation means two things. It means my ability to skillfully round uh, vowel sounds and hit my ending consonant sounds. And it also means having words at my disposal to adequately express my thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. And so many times we're feeling so much, but we can't find the words to successfully convey that information to someone else so that they can understand. This conversation has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, any last strategies, thoughts?
1: Well, I would say, Othel, that um, I'd say two things. Um, one comes from the work that Dr. Gottman does, so I'll go back to him. Mm-hmm. He says that uh, there's a term he uses. He says it's a repair attempt. Mm -hmm. He says when couples are starting to go bad in their communication, there has to be a repair attempt. There has to be something that they would say or do to indicate to the other person that this conversation is going in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. We are climbing up the hill of conflict and we Mm -hmm. need to stop Mm -hmm. and we need to disengage for a moment and try this again so that we can be on the same page. And so a repair attempt could be anything, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you remember the old Westerns, mm-hmm. um, the guys would always have their hands on their, on their hips. Right. they have it right on their gun, ready to shoot. Right. <laughs> I, I got my hands right on my hips mm-hmm. and I'm ready to shoot you if you talk to me. But... Other times, the guys wouldn't have their hands on their hips. They'd have their hands up in the air right. as a sign of surrender. Mm-hmm. A repair attempt could be when things are going bad, you just raise up your hands, mm-hmm. right? Or a repair attempt is you say something funny or you use a word or you mm-hmm. use an inside joke that only the two of you would know right. that would indicate this is not going the right way mm-hmm. and we have to stop before we say and do things it's going to make it worse, mm-hmm. But the thing is, you have to talk about what the repair attempt is going to be ahead of time. Right. Because if you don't do that and uh-huh. you try to do something funny or make a joke, the other right. person will be like, oh, so this is funny now. you to right. make a joke. Right. You know, and they'll be like, no, no, I'm trying to repair attempt. I'm trying to repair <laughs> right. Attempt. Right. Like, no, that's, I, don't, I don't think you're doing that. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, you're sitting at Starbucks, you're having a nice conversation, you're, mm-hmm. you're drinking your Frappuccinos, uh, you say, babe, you know, the next time we get an argument, why don't we try one of those repair attempts? Why don't we – what's going to be our code word? What's going to be our thing that will – cause both of us to realize this is not going good. Mm -hmm. We need to take a break and then make a commitment to come back and finish the conversation, but finish it in a better emotional, psychological, and physiological state. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when couples do that, they're success. Um, And and Gottman's research bears that out, right? Uh, The last thing I would say is that um, in 2016, I wrote a book called The Great Husband's Playbook. Mm -hmm. And in there I tell the guys, listen, you have to have... You have to realize that there's some, there's some R's to communication. You got to have the right time. Mm-hmm. Timing is important, right? You got to have the right words to say. Mm-hmm. That might mean you might have to rehearse what you're going to say to her. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, ladies, you have to rehearse what you're going to say to him before it happens. Oftentimes, I've had conversations with myself I'm by myself. I'm talking to a but I'm by myself because mm-hmm. I'm trying to get out of me what I really want to convey. And at times I've said stuff and be like, oh, if <laughs> I said it like that, that would just be a nuclear war. But that's not really what I want to convey. What I really want to convey is – and so communicating it out loud is important. Mm-hmm. So having the right, the right timing, the right words, the right environment, mm-hmm. right? You can't do it um, when the kids are home. You, know, you probably can't do it when the football game's on. Or you can't do it at ten o'clock at night when she's exhausted, she wants to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Right? You gotta have the right time, the right words, the right environment, you know, the 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 right repair attempt mm-hmm. in case it goes bad. Right? And you have to have the right response. Right. Because when you start to communicate and express your concerns if you do it the right way, you've opened up your partner for them to communicate back to you. So you got to be ready for what they're going to say. So you can pick the right time, the right environment, the right words. <laughs> right. You get the right repair attempt, and you lay it all out there. And then when they re- when they give it back to you, you respond poorly. The <laughs> whole thing falls apart. Mm. And so I kind of walk through walk through that with guys in the book, um, so that they can do well in communicating with their spouse. So those are some basic. Practical things that people could do.
0: Wonderful. And and I'm glad you mentioned the book because I wanted to close with telling our audience how they may be able to access material from you. Or if someone is saying, man, much of what he had to say resonated with me deeply. I'd love to invite him to speak or I'd love to maybe schedule a session with him. How can we get in contact with you and how can we get your material? Sure. So
1: the Great Husband's Playbook you can find on Amazon.com. Uh, or you can go to the great husbands playbook.com uh, you can go to both of the you can either go to the website you can go to Amazon to get the book uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can find me on Jim Hart for Facebook um, and to be quite honest with you, i don't remember what my instagram <laughs> or face or uh, Twitter handles are, but you just type in jim Hart y'all I'm sure you'll find me and then they could always email me probably that's the best way to get a hold of me. They could email me at simply Jim Hart. The number 3rd, jimhart3rd at gmail.com is probably a great way to get a hold of me as well. But uh, social media is probably the easiest way for people to access me. Um, And then you can go online. I've posted a bunch of videos uh, in in recent months uh, talking about communication so they could see some more content as well.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And once again, I thank you for joining me at the Speaking to Impact table. Well, you've been listening to Speaking to Impact with OJM International. I invite you to follow me at OJM International on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Once again, that's at OJM International. And remember, your voice has value. Ever left a stage or presentation room wishing your message was more impactful? Want to get more out of the moments you speak in public? Well, OJM International's free online mini-course entitled Speaking to Impact, Five Simple Ways to Maximize the Public Speaking Moment is for you. In just under 25 short minutes, the course covers five simple strategies speakers can employ to positively impact their audiences each time they take stage. So sign up today for this free mini-course at ojminternationalteaches.com to ensure the next speech you deliver is both memorable and impactful.